He is a digital transformation expert, Wu-Tang Masters, we talked about a little bit off, offline. You know, they're utilizing artificial intelligence in terms of, you know, making trades and, you know, what's Destroying the, the best. market, <laughs> gobbling up companies' value. Yeah. You're going to need a lot of intensity. I mean, these are people, high-frequency trading. Dan, you know a lot about trading. Yep. How would you explain high-frequency trading? These are the smart guys that make this stuff. Main Street, you know, of the world. They do quantitative trading, and they need a ton of, you know, computers. Hello, and welcome to The Scaling Edge. I am your host, Michael Brooks. Dan's here, the first chair. Hello, Dan. Hey, hello. We've also got Max producing back there. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of our program. Very special guest today, the mighty James Quinn. He is a digital transformation expert, Wu-Tang Masters. We talked about a little bit off offline. Um, he helps companies adapt to the digital world. He's also an author, recent author during COVID-19 about how you can take advantage and get an edge by, uh, by taking advantage of some of the way the world has been turning. So very excited to have you on here today, James. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you came from and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. Michael, great being on the podcast. And Dan, uh, terrific being here. And thank you. Uh, so I kind of been at the forefront of technology for a while. And it kind of started very early in my career where um, we got certain calls from a real estate standpoint of corporations, instead of looking for office space, they were like, no, we need switching sites because we want to build, you know, the information superhighway. We want to build a platform in terms of how the internet, uh, you know, is expanded nationally and globally. When, when was this? How long ago? Uh, so that was probably when that started, it was like in the late nineties, like coming into, you know, the two thousands. So okay. there, there were, there were, you know, fiber companies, telecommunication companies uh, looking at buildings in major uh, you know, uh, cities saying that, no, we don't need office space. We need to put you know, our servers in there and our, our transmission devices so we can expand the footprint of the internet. So luckily, I was really one of the only few that was doing that. And then we did, you know, for major telecommunications company, we did about 3 million square feet of these sites. Another one we did probably about a million square feet nationally and globally. And now that's kind of the, the backbone of data, data transmission. So when I saw that, I saw the promise of technology. It was a big specialization of my practice at JLL, um, which is a, a Fortune 500 company, where now we help major corporations with you know kind of their technology needs. So data centers, co-location spaces, network, capital markets activity. And we focus on, you know, just with their traditional real estate portfolio. Now, especially after that pandemic, their technology portfolio is equally important. And they're spending a lot of time, resources and capital on their technology portfolios. So you started, we're, we're going back to the late 90s. Mm -hmm. You're selling real estate. Correct. And then you realize people are buying real estate or renting real estate for the purpose of not housing people in an office, but putting up technology. Exactly. Servers. Exa yeah. Servers were the people actually for, for this 
you know, application. And the wheels started turning. They, they did because, you know, again, I was in traditional real estate and it would help a corporation with their corporate headquarters or their, you know, JLL is a great platform world throughout the world. They had an office in Chicago or Paris or Tokyo. That's something that, you know, we're very adept in terms of helping them. But I saw the, the ability that, you know, corporations are also looking for this new area of expertise. And then I built my team around making sure that we could provide them with the best intellectual capital to help them with those decisions on a local, national, and global basis. So now JLL, Fortune 500 company, you're, you're working there and you're helping companies completely transform to digital. Is that right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, like, for example, if you're, you're a traditional you know, bricks and mortar company and with the pandemic, a lot of people had to pivot to be more of an online platform, a more digital company. You need to find compute in space to do that. You need to find data center capacity to do that either through co-location facility, the cloud. So that's really uh, spurred a lot of um, data requirements nationally and globally. And then, you know, in terms of the uh, new technologies like artificial intelligence, that's also being a big multiplier of requirements because every firm today is looking at how they can leverage AI to improve their efficiencies and also improve their bottom line. So how are so that's an interesting edge. So you're saying the trend that you're seeing is all the major companies are trying to figure out how to use AI to improve their efficiencies and increase their bottom line. Yes. In what ways do you help companies deploy these type of AI or or support that type of AI? Yeah, well, uh, you know, so I'll give you an example. So we do a lot of work with uh, major financial institutions and, you know, some, you know, like, for example, high frequency traders is one example. You know, they're utilizing artificial intelligence in terms of, you know, making trades and, you know, what's the best market, (laughs) bobbling up companies value. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So I. They're, you know, looking at, you know, how do you utilize artificial intelligence to enhance, for example, the trading pro- uh, uh, you know, process. And, you know, to do that, you have to secure compute. You either have to find, you know, cloud space, co-location, new data center space. And we help them, you know, scale that on a local, national and global level. That's pretty exciting. What would you say? Like you're a story of one of these companies. So, so you you work with companies like high frequency traders. I imagine they're going to need a lot of intensity. I mean, these are people high frequency trading. Dan, you know a lot about trading. Yep. How would you explain high frequency trading? These are the smart guys that make this stuff. Jane Street, you know, of the world that they do quantitative trading, and they need a ton of you know computers, you know, to put exactly. this in, execute those trades. And also, not only to execute them, the, the speed that they go from where their physical location is to the actual trade, to the New York desk, you know, because they, they're doing things so, so fast. You know, they need that. They need, they're all about quickness. So, you know, they're trading stuff that could go up one cent 
you know, half a cent and they're moving, you know, millions and hundreds of millions of dollars sometimes in and out. So the smart guys go here to the mighty Quinn and they go, we need, we need to move fast. We need the right space and we need it to be on point. And you help facilitate that process. Absolutely. Yes. And it could be like, for example, we're working with somebody that is a Asia bank based company and they have their, you know, technology platform set up in APAC, but they were like, you know what, with our increase of business, now we want to set something up in the US. So could you guys work with us on what markets would be best from a, you know, to support our technology requirements? So we do the whole analysis for them. That's exciting. You're helping China take over the United States stock market, it sounds like. In a nutshell. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. New but... conspiracy theory is just birth. <laughs> no, no, I get it. You're you're helping companies from around the world identify the right space to grow their infrastructure and deploy some of these now necessary technologies. What do you see in the realm of AI? Where 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 do you like is it going to just get rid of the drudgery of everyday work or am I not going to need to clean my floor anymore? Like is somebody, yeah. is, is they going to have a, 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 you know, a brand new AI powered toilet that's going to, you know, wipe my bottom for me. Where, where are we going? <laughs> I, I think Michael, I can kind of speak to kind of from a corporate standpoint, you know, in terms of, you know, on, on a personal level, I'm, you know, I'm not, equipped to really kind of this, you know, kind of give you a, a, I think a good opinion on that, but from a corporate standpoint, you know, that there's, um, and look, there are positive articles and also there are negative articles, people worrying about employment. That, that's always going to be par, par, par for the course. Right. But it's really looking at taking, you know, supercomputing capabilities and really kind of how does it enhance your business? Right. So from an operation standpoint, what does it do? From, you know, a digital technology standpoint, how does it help you? And, you know, the the computing power and what it does is very helpful. So firms are right. It's like, you know, one of their biggest charters, you know, every year is like, okay, now we got to understand this technology. How do we deploy it in a responsible way that's going to improve our company, not only from, you know, financial standpoint, but also position them versus their competitors. Wow. All right. Well, let's talk about your book. What made you decide to become an author? Is this your first book? It is my first book. Uh, I started because um, I was fortunate to have, like I mentioned early on in my career, that seeing the promise of technology outside of traditional, you know, arena of we were doing office, you know, portfolios, and then I saw how impactful it, it, it really. Uh, drove a lot of decisions on a lot of different things. And when COVID came, it was like, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, they they closed our offices down. They're like, look, you're going to have to work from home. And for me, that was kind of fairly radical because, you know, I would go into New York every day and I was used to that. Uh, so I, I had more time on my end. I've always wanted to write a book. So I decided that this is the time. I, I took the time during COVID to write the book. And one of the kind of the best discoveries was like the focus of the book is looking at different forms of technology, like artificial intelligence, digital twin, uh, 5G, uh, and how is it affecting every aspect of our life or most important aspect of my life. So it was, it was our lives. It was a really good exercise. 
But the best part about it was I had a chapter on assisted technologies to see how technology were pe- uh, uh, helping people in need. And that was great because I uncovered a company called Open Bionics, and they're based out of the UK. And they recently uh, you know, have created the first digital um, bionic hand and arm called the Hero Arm. So I called up them. They had a foundation. I said, look, I like to start a charity. We like to help people that are limb challenged people to get the hero arms. And they were great. We started working and we've helped several people along the way with our charity, which is called Beacon of Hope 365, to really kind of get, you know, hero arms is to many people that are limb challenges as, as, as possible. So it's been kind of a great thing and outcome uh, in addition to the book. That's really kind of you. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, you want to try to make a, little, a difference. And for me, when I was in the middle of this kind of, uh, you know, really exploratory part of technology, you know, what we talked about before, there are some bad stories about technology, but I thought this was a really strong one. And, you know, approximately there are 2 million people that are limb challenged every year. And, you know, this technology has only existed for a very limited time. So I, I think it's cha- it's it's absolutely changing people's lives. So it went from, you know, there was some, uh, we, we helped uh, somebody from the UK, and he had his left arm. He got a hero arm, and now he can he could throw frisbee with his friends, which he can never do. He could just do it in one hand. So things like that, you know, really, uh, you know, motiv- motivated me to keep you know looking at how technology can help people uh, in their lives. That's exciting and, and philanthropic and really cool. Um, so I'd like to talk to you more about how you can engage specifically with certain companies, what your process is, how you give them an angle and an edge, why working with you is the most spectacular thing in the world to their business. It's going to make all their wildest dreams come true. Yes. So we uh, are very analytical in our approach. I think kind of where we set ourselves above others is that we like to work with them as a valued partner. So what we'll do as an initial assessment, we'll come in and look at their entire technology portfolio of their own data centers, their leases, where they put the servers, co-location, their network spend. We sign a confidentiality agreement. It's something whereby uh, we do a lot of analytical work up front. And then we come back with specific recommendations on what they can do to not only reduce their spend in their technology portfolio, but also get better uh, technology options. And I'll give you an example. There was a major corporation that we recently did this for. uh, And the great thing about it, Michael, was that they're like, nobody's ever come to talk to us about this. This is, we haven't heard this before. But can you send us an NDA? Because this sounds like we could, you know, really, we would really appreciate if you could work with us on. So we did, we did the whole portfolio. We found one trouble asset that they had. It was a co-location, you know, lease that they had where they had their servers. And it was a difficult landlord and they were paying probably about 50% above market. So we said, look, this is a problem. We think that we have this strategy where you can migrate out of this facility into a different facility and save 50% of your cost and get a better technology solution. We went from the analytical phase to the execution phase. 
And as a result, just from that one commitment, we've saved them $22 million on their bottom line. So that's a kind of a good example of you know, one case study on, on how we can move the needle for these firms. That's not, a, that's not a small amount of money. That's a lot. Yeah. That's and the, the other thing, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the other thing that a lot of firms are struggling with is that if you own a data center and, you know, if you've owned it for, let's say, the late 90s or early 2000s, a lot of that technology is antiquated. And, you know, firms want to be nimble today. They want to have flexibility with their technology portfolios. So we also, you know, have a capital markets analysis that looks at what's their owned data centers worth, and then how can they migrate into what they call as a hybrid cloud strategy, where you put some some of your technology portfolio in the cloud and the other in co-location facilities. So that's also a big part of our practice. And a lot of firms are, are you know, need good advice on that because, you know, they, they've owned the asset. Some of them have high book values. How do you deal with that? The operating expenses on these assets are very expensive. So you have to really come up with a good strategy in terms of if they do want to migrate, what's the best pathway out at a time where, you know, from a real estate standpoint, you know, they're investing in office buildings is a little challenging right now just because of hybrid work and remote work, as well as if you have a class B or class C building in a CBD that inventory is very challenged because people are not going to want to work there. They're going to want to work in the best buildings in the best cities. So, you know, the, the investment in office space has been down as well as retail space. But there, if I, you know, had a dollar for every day that I got a call from somebody, hey, we want to invest in data centers because this is kind of the future asset class that is getting much more robust year after year. Data centers are the future asset class. Moving yes. data and analytical approach first. I mean that there it is. There it goes back to the to the AI almost where you're you're getting rid of the drudgery of the day to day work, and you get to like so just like you, James. You were going to New York every day, right? That's right. And that was and it disrupted your process. So these data centers, the servers are the people which is uh, the way you described it. So if that's true, how does that free up people? I think that there's a far greater opportunity than there is a hindrance. It will disrupt the routine as it did you, but it will offer such a wider opportunity and maybe more people will write books and start charities and help people the way you are. Yeah, I think that, you know, kind of one area that we haven't discussed is kind of the, the future of the workplace. And, you know, a lot of corporations are at different spectrums. Like the financial firms are like, look, we want you in four to five days a week. We're kind of frowning on remote where some technology companies like, if you want to work remote, that's fine. If you want to work hybrid. I think what we're seeing is that more corp- corporations are wanting their, their employees to come back. But I think in my own opinion, it'll be a hybrid where three to four days a week they'll be in. And, you know, I, I think that's great because with, even with my team, that in-person collaboration is, is very important. Mentorship's important. So I, I think you have, have the best of both worlds. And, you know, what we're seeing on the real estate side is that, you know, corporations are really looking to find the best buildings to build that engagement. 
So if I'll just mention one building, one Vanderbilt, uh, it was a brand new building, four to ceiling glass, tremendous amenities, uh, brand new, you know, right, right on top of Grand Central. The, the building leased very well. And the reason why it leased well was the location. It's close to a major transportation hub. The amenities, you know, four to ceiling glass, sustainable building. Everybody wanted to be there. And if you're going to go to work, you want that type of environment. As I mentioned before, if you're in a Class C building on a side street, there are not too many people going to be engaged to go to the office for four days a week. So you're marketing to your people. It's, you know, yeah, I think that you have to create a, a corporate culture today about the employee so they feel that the environment is, you know, is important to them. And it's in a situation where they think it's very collaborative. So there are a lot of corporations trying to find that secret sauce to say, you know what, our workspace is, you know, state of the art. It's very collaborative. And we want to build engagement, you know, with our entire employees, as well as the representative teams at our company. Look, the environment means something. You want to know your surroundings. You want it to be something that you're going to feel good about. You know, that's why yeah. people put so much time and attention into their personal space. Why wouldn't they in their workspace? Well, James, Absolutely. the Mighty Quinn, where can people find you? Where can they get your book? Where can they go to your your charity? Um, where where How can they do business with you? Yep. Uh, so uh, the website for the book is techtrends247.com. And then you can, uh, you know, hit me up there or you can hit me up on uh, LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, uh, that's probably the, the best area. The charity is called beaconofhope365.com. Uh, you know, I, I think it's an important part of what we do. And uh, anybody who's interested in that, we, we'd love to talk to you because we want to keep on growing the charity as well. I think you're doing amazing things. So thank you very much for being a part of our program, being a part of the Scaling Edge. We appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Dan. Great being with you today. Appreciate it. <laughs>